0: Well, dear friends, I would like to ask you to turn to the seventh chapter of the confession as we round off our study. So if you don't have a copy of the confession whatsoever, please share with someone who does either in your mobile phones or as hard copies. So we will uh, read together from point two to point three in our confession the London Baptist. This is the second London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. It's of God's covenant. Let us read together as you hear uh, the confession. Moreover, man having brought himself under the curse of the law by his fall. It's pleased the Lord to make a covenant of grace. In this, he freely offers to sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ, requiring from them faith in him in order that they may be saved and promising to give his Holy Spirit. To all those who are ordained to eternal life To make them willing and able to believe This covenant is revealed in the gospel First of all to Adam in the promise of salvation by the seed of the woman And afterwards by further steps until his full revelation Was completed in the New Testament This covenant is founded upon the eternal covenant transaction Between the father and the son Concerning the redemption of the elect it is only by the grace of this covenant that all the posterity which are the descendants of fallen Adam whoever was saved obtained life and a blessed immortality because man is now utterly incapable of gaining acceptance with God on those terms by which Adam stood in his state of innocence. Well, dear friends, I just want to, as we wrap up this uh, chapter, I want to recommend a few books on covenant theology, uh, Reformed Baptist Covenant Theology. There's this one by Thomas Schreiner. He's uh, a, a, a a New Testament professor, uh, I think it is Southern Baptist Seminary. This is a basic treatment of the covenant, of new, well, of covenant theology. So he goes from, from Adam to Christ. Basically, it's a small volume, very easy to understand. Then there are more, uh, I would call, uh, solid. Um, Volumes There's one called The Mystery of Christ His Covenant and His Kingdom Is by Sam Renihan. It helps you understand What covenant theology is Or what we mean when we say covenant theology Because it can be so confusing And then there's a very very good one uh, Called Covenant Theology From Adam to Christ It is by Nehemiah Kochs and John Owen. And the one that I'm currently studying, is called The Distinctiveness of Baptist Covenant Theology by Pascal Denel. So these books are available online. They're available in soft copy and they help us understand what is it that we believe because all these things that we're talking about affect our lives. You know, you may you may not see it, but what you believe actually affects the way you live. What you believe actually affects the way you live. So last time out, we uh, were summarizing the covenants. We looked at the Noahic covenant and we looked at the Abrahamic covenant. So today we're going to be looking at the covenant with Israel. And I want to jog your memory back So that you sort of understand where we are What is meant by covenant theology Or more particularly Reformed Baptist covenant theology It simply means that God Worked with his people Through covenants But those covenants are summarized They are broken down there is the fall right which is under the covenant of works there is uh so 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 there's creation the covenant of works then there's the fall then there's redemption in the fall or throughout as you read the old testament you see god making covenants with certain individuals and these covenants Covenants are stipulations. It's an agreement. It's like when you go into marriage, you are covenanting together with that person that you're going into marriage with. You are agreeing that to have and to hold in sickness and in health. So God is the one in salvation throughout history, biblically speaking, God is the one that initiates all covenants. There's no one who initiated a covenant with God before so god is the one who reaches down to mankind and says i will bless you right you came to abraham i'll multiply offspring uh, you know you 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 subdue the and multiply um only only uh obey what i've said and you live and you'll see uh, the goodness of god and that covenant sign was circumcision You had to be circumcised in order to be identified with the people of God. So that's how God works with his people, through covenants. And here we see the covenant with Israel, where uh, it is summarized. If I turn to Exodus 20, Exodus 20, known as the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue. I just want to read verse 1 and 2. So this is a covenant actually. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. There's a statement by a holy and almighty God. Verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. The, The covenant has conditions. If you want to live well in the land of Canaan, I, a holy God, have taken you out of Egypt. Of taking you out of the land of slavery. So this is what I want you to do. You shall have no other gods before me. These were stipulations. This is how the Israelites were to live. In order to be said that they are the set apart people of God. But we see... That, remember what I told you, that all the covenants in the Old Testament point to the covenant of grace. Or what other people would call the new covenant in Christ. Is all the covenants are fulfilled in Christ. If you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will see that everyone apart from Christ failed. Adam failed Noah got drunk He failed Abraham failed, he lied David failed He fell into sin Solomon failed And if you read all across the prophets Minor, major prophets 1st and 2nd Kings 1st and 2nd Chronicles Everyone who came Whom God said was righteous they failed. They were pointing to a greater reality, the greater reality which we see in Christ, which is why Christ is our righteousness. Christ is the righteous one whom was met, who was promised. All these ones failed. They were faulty. They could not do what Christ could do. The Bible, consequently, is a book about righteousness It's a book about God's righteousness and man's fallenness. God is faithful, man is not. Think about that. And if the people of God would not obey God, what would happen? They would suffer the consequences. This is why when you read the major prophets and the minor. The major: Ezekiel, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah. Daniel is known as an ap- apocalyptic book, uh, but you can, if you, you can see it as a prophecy, which is not really a, a, a major point to argue upon. But the, the the point is that you 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 see that, that they. They, they failed. And they were taken into exile. They were punished. Constantly, throughout history, mankind has been idolatrous. But God has remained the same. And I thank our brother for preaching on the immutability of God. That God does not change despite our changing. God is still loving. He shows steadfast love. He long-suffering but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers from, you know, generation to generation. So that's the covenant with Israel. And you see, it sets the tone for the Davidic covenant, which uh, we'll just summarize that David, as we said earlier on, Failed. He defeated Goliath. Everyone was praising David, the king. He was assailed uh, by Saul. God made a covenant with him. David fell, but God forgave him. But David, at the end of his life, gave over the kingdom, handed over the kingdom, as it were. David was pointing to a greater reality. Christ. Christ is the true David. Christ is the true Israel. That is the, the major crux of covenant theology. If you get anything, just know that everything in the Bible points to Christ. Everything in the Bible is fulfilled in Christ. Where they are reading it from. So that's why it's important, even as you read Genesis, find the gospel in Genesis. Find the gospel in Exodus, Leviticus. Find the gospel. Because we're saying the Bible is one story, and it culminates or finds its fulfillment in Christ. Then everything leads to Christ. Whether we are in the New Testament after the gospels, or we're in the Old Testament, before the Gospels. Everything points to Christ. Then there's the covenant of grace. The confession actually summarizes it very, very well. Where it says that more of a man having, in point two, more of a man having brought himself under the curse of the law by his fall, it pleased the Lord to make a covenant of grace. The covenant of grace is. Uh, find, sorry, finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ that God stooping down to mankind the covenant of, by the way, we are existing or living in the covenant of grace. So the stipulations of this covenant are this repent and believe. <laughs> Those are the stipulations. Repent and believe. Faith. But that faith comes from God. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Paul says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In verse 4, he goes on to say, But God, being rich in mercy, even even with the great love with which he loved us, made us alive in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. Through faith. Through faith. Faith in Christ. God only requires you to believe in Jesus for you to be saved. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need the, you know, some of the stipulations of the old covenant that were numbered. You need to believe. That is the covenant of grace. It's a a wonderful time to live. It's a wonderful time and a period of, of life, of history, to live, because what God requires of us is to believe. But to believe in Jesus. Not in ourselves, not in prophets, not in Father Abraham Not in King David Because you'll never get salvation from David You'll never get salvation in Adam No matter how much uh, you know, You'll never get salvation in Mary Mary will never save you So you don't need to pray to her <coughs> Salvation is in Jesus Christ That is how one is reconciled to God And of course, the Old Testament saints were also saved by grace, looking forward. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When God made those stipulations and those promises, the Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So you are declared righteous based on faith in Christ. You are justified by faith in Christ alone. You are, God declares you righteous. He declares you just based on Christ's finished work. At the cross, uh, there's what is called double imputation. It's covered in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, uh, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So on the cross of Christ, there was double imputation. Our sin on him, his righteousness on us. If you believe in Jesus, You are declared just. You are declared. And it's not about performance, like, okay, so where am I in the Christian life? Am I ascending? Of course, those are very good questions to ask, but you don't make it to heaven based on performance. You make it to heaven based on Christ alone. That's why we preach the gospel. That is why it's so important. If you get the gospel wrong, you get everything wrong. It's Christ's righteousness, not yours. You don't have any righteousness. The only righteousness that you rely upon for your life, for your soul is Jesus Christ. That is the covenant of grace, and it was it was prophesied. In the Old Testament, Uh, let us just turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel thirty six, twenty six to twenty seven. ezekiel 36 26 to 27 this is what the word of god says in fact we start from verse 25 i will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols i will cleanse you well verse 26 and i will give you a new heart where a man given a new heart a new, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. So this is salvation. God puts his spirit within you. When you believe in Christ, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the helper comes and resides in you. And God then enables you to walk in his statutes. To love his statutes. To be careful to obey his laws. The Holy Spirit puts the fear of God in you. It's not so much so that you are obeying out of your own power or your own doing and your own will, but God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, enables you to walk according to God's statutes. It's not by our own power and might, friends. That is why we need to be humble. That is why we need to have a a quantified heart before God and say but for the grace of God there goes I but for the grace of God there goes I we shouldn't look down upon people who are not saved we shouldn't hate them but we should preach the gospel to them all those people who are lost in darkness Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I used to be blind, but God has made me see. That is the covenant of grace. Grace, the grace of God. Unmerited favor. I could preach about the grace of God the whole day. That's you, as a sinner who deserved death, who deserved to be condemned to hell, that's it, you deserve to die. Because the Bible says in Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The worker of iniquity must die. The worker of iniquity deserves to die. But God sent his son to die in the place of that worker of iniquity. That is grace. That is grace. Unmerited favor. Grace of God has appeared. Let us now round off the issue of covenants. I hope it's very clear. In in. In point 3 He makes a very the, the, the confession makes a very interesting statement It says this covenant is revealed in the gospel So he summarized it First of all to, uh, to Adam In the promise of salvation By the seed of the woman And afterwards by further steps Until its full revelation was completed in the New Testament This covenant is founded upon the eternal covenant transactions <laughs> yeah? So there's another covenant There's another covenant which we must be careful to highlight. And that covenant is called the covenant of redemption. And that covenant is between the father and the son. The father and the son. Okay, let me continue reading. Between the Father, and the Son, concerning the redemption of the elect. Now it's getting a bit tricky and sticky. God from eternity past has a specific people that are and will be redeemed, and those specific people are definite the people who are elect will be saved not one will fail to enter heaven not one simply because there was a covenant that happened in eternity past before the world was created before the foundation of the world there was a covenant between the father and the son so that it could be concluded who was to be saved. <coughs> so, if you really think about it, the names of the people in the book of life was written in eternity past. Jesus was the Lamb of God who was to be slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus, it was decided that mankind would fall that's what that was the decree of god but jesus was going to redeem a specific people if you don't believe me i want to read a couple of texts from the bible from the word of god such that this matter would be cleared In case you struggle with election, in in case you struggle with reprobation, uh, where will my relatives go, going to heaven, hell, what's happening to them, why are they not believing? Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I don't want to spend time, too much time on this, but it's very important. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4 Even as he who the Father chose us in him, in Christ before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love Listen to this. He predestined us for adoption to be, sorry, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace. That's what he's saying. To the praise of his glory, yes, grace. With which he has blessed us in the, in the beloved. In him we have redemption. This was a perfect plan. Through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace. Which he lavishes upon us. In all wisdom and insight. Etc, etc. Then in verse 14. Sorry, verse 13. In him you, you also when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation and believed in him. Were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14. Who is the guarantee? Of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so uh, the holy spirit is a stamp to say you are going to heaven my friend. don't worry don't worry a bit about your salvation if the fact that you even question yourself should be a sign that something has happened to you because non-believers are dead in their trespasses following the course of the- they can't even question themselves. In fact, for them, everything is normal, it's natural. They are, they're just living. <clears throat> Let us turn to John chapter 6, a very difficult text to To swallow. But here. Jesus talks of salvation. As of God. As of. The triune God that. Listen. Don't grumble amongst yourself. John chapter 6. And. Let us read from. Verse 35 Jesus said to them I am the bread of life Whoever comes to me shall not hunger And whoever believes in me shall never thirst But I say to you that you have seen me And yet you do not believe All that the Father gives me will come to me And all see. Verse 37 All that the Father gives me Will come to me Salvation is of God so when you see someone professing Christ, it's not you who are saved. And it's, they have not saved themselves, even though they may be tempted through their arrogance to think so. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should, lose not, I, sh, I, I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him, who looks on the Son and believes in him, should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse, 30, verse 43. Jesus answered them. Do not grumble among yourself. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws me. And I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to me unless the Father draws me. So if you are in Christ. The salvation is of the triune God. The Father elected, the Son applies redemption. Sorry, the Son redeemed and then the Holy Spirit applies that redemption. You don't have anything to worry about in Christ. Your future is secured even though right now things are tough and that's why the Christians of old understood this doctrine of eternal security within the covenant of redemption that's why they could go and lay down their lives in distant land if you understand that God has got you why should you be busy be be careful Uh, you know I can't go because you know I might die (laughs) you know trying to sort of micromanage your life ah you know the decisions I make I need to be meticulous but it's salvation is in God and God has got you if you die tomorrow and you are in Christ you're going to the bosom of Christ it's written it is written we should not rely on reason or should not rely on the lies of Satan if you're in Christ you've got this great promise bigger than any other promise in this world I would not even trade it for anything in this world that is the covenant of grace and that is the covenant of grace that people reject the covenant of redemption And, dear friends, this is covenant theology. This is covenant theology. It's more important than everything. Once you get this, if you get this, you'll get all other aspects of life. Because once you understand what God has done, other things will fall into place. Your work ethic, who you marry. <laughs> That is a very big one, especially for you ladies who you marry. In this day and age where people want macho men, the eat guy, women, uh, the men want slay queens, and all these things. It affects everything your view on uh, sexes, transgenderism, the LGBTQ argument. Once you get the gospel right, get covenant theology right, what is happening? What happened? Where am I? Everything will fall into place. Always return. And if you fall, just one last comment. And, if you, and we fall in different ways as Christians. If you fall into sin, it's, it's, it's very difficult to convince ourselves this. Or it follows you discouragement. The same way, the same entrance that you entered is the same way you go back to God through Christ, who is interceding for us. So it's not by works. You don't, when you fall into sin, you don't try to do better. The people will try to compensate. Ah, you know, he's running around trying to compensate for what he's done. No, go back to Christ. Say, Lord, I've sinned against you, but I am yours. And remember the promises of God. Recite them. Romans 8, the golden chain of salvation. For I am convinced that neither death, death, nor life, nor angels, nor anything in all creation can separate me from the love of God. Even in your own sin, if you are in Christ, cannot separate you from the love of God. Even God himself will not sever you from himself get that right. Get everything right. Amen.